It's a double holiday for me today because once about every four to five years, Father's Day is also Shiloh's birthday. So uh, today is one of those days. And so Shiloh has turned seven today. So it is my seventh year with a child on this earth. Um, so a pretty special Father's Day for me. And in seven days, it'll be a Sunday. Some people will work, and many of us will go to church. Many of us will swim or will play. We'll, a lot of people will live out their lives as they normally do. And for most of you here today, June 28th is just another Sunday. For me and my sister, June 28th, 2020 marks the 23rd anniversary of when my dad had his accident. To me, June 28th is a reminder of how quickly things can change. On that day, 23 years ago, I was forced to deal with lots of other things. I, I never realized the importance of my dad's relationship with me uh, until that day. Um, I've told you before, my dad wasn't an overly affectionate man. He, he wasn't someone who hooked me all the time or kissed me all the time. We didn't do those things, and so... There was one story, I probably shouldn't tell what I'm going to anyway. Um, I turned 18. That's never a good way to start stories. <laughs> I turned 18, and uh, I was a very innocent 18 year old, honestly. Um, I, I didn't drink or chew or go with girls to do, so we uh, had me a birthday party at Mitchell's RV Park. You know, Mitchell's out there. And uh, we had a dance, a boy girl party. And uh, my date to my birthday party was working with my friend. So I took her home. <laughs> um, but on the way back, I hit a deer. And uh, I remember pulling up. My mom freaked out. Was I okay? Was I okay? And I remember my dad had to work at the store that night. And I remember going to the store and pulling up. And my mom going out and going in and telling my dad, and my dad walked out and said, well, how's the truck? <laughs> and I lost it. I lost it. And I yelled and yelled right there in the middle of the parents. So I know you're parent on my parent. Imagine us at the Circle H at 845 at night. Me yelling at the top of my lungs at my dad about how much of a jerk he was because he really didn't love me. Uh, my dad wasn't as big as I was. He was about five foot ten. It's uh, the only man I've ever been scared of. And I remember yelling at him and him looking at me and my mama saying, "Y'all both get in the store right now before I wring your necks." And so we did. Uh, <laughs> And then he began to explain to me his thing. The truck was a gift from them. It was a gift because I was valedictorian, so they bought me this truck. It's the only truck I've ever been bought in my life. And it wasn't a new truck, it was a used truck. So, uh, But it was a gift, and it was my truck. And Mama had already made sure I was okay. So Daddy wanted to make sure the gift that he had given was still okay, and I was still having my blessing. But I didn't see that at the time. 
June 28th, three years later, I began to see those things. You know, Daddy always worked. We didn't have football and basketball and goofing around. I never remember my dad being at one school event I ever had. Never a choir concert. Never a play. Never anything. Mama was at all of them, but Daddy was working. We did hunt and fish. I told you that a couple of weeks ago. But on that day, June 28th, I realized all the things he was in my life that I had taken for granted. I realized the security that he had brought to our house. My dad was a manager at UPS for 25 years and suddenly that job was gone. He went from a near, or I don't know what his salary was, it was near 60 years if not 60 years to nothing overnight and we never lost our standard of living. Nothing really ever changed. Dad brought that security into our lives and he assured us of certain things. There was wisdom that he would share along the way that on that day I could look back and remember. I remember the provisions that he gave and I remember that I never felt alone. There were times that I won't get into this morning that I was not in the right spot in my life. Pulpit committee didn't hear this story, and I'm not going to tell all of it. <clears throat> but there was a time that I had a standoff with a police officer who went to Texas. But I wasn't scared because my daddy was there. That's what it broke down to. Daddy, he brought a security to me. And even though I didn't get to spend all the time I wanted to with him before he had the accident, he had given me something so much greater than any monetary gift or any monetary thing. He had given me this presence that was always there. Things that he did now that greatly shaped me and the father that I am. I usually don't do sermons about Father's Day and Mother's Day. But since I did one for Mother's Day and, and I walked in and saw that the sanctuary was decorated for, Mother, for Father's Day, I felt that maybe today I would talk about the characteristics of a dad to God. Now I could have chosen from, from many different scriptures this morning. We could have went to many different places where the text directly speaks about parent and child relationships. You know, those... Father, do not exasperate your children. Children, submit to your parents. I could have went to those, but as I've said in recent sermons, our actions and example speak so much more loudly at times than the words that we read or the words that we hear. So I chose a father this morning. It's a name you may know. It's a man who has a request. His name is Jairus. He's really only spoken of by name twice in Scripture. And in both times, it's the same story that happens in, in two different Gospels. The story happens in more places than that. But his name is spoken in two places. And today, we look at the account in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. And it says there, When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and kept begging him, My little daughter is at death's door. Come and lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. 
So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. And a woman, suffering from bleeding for twelve years, had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his robe. For she said, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be made well. And instantly, her flow of blood ceased. And she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. And at once, Jesus realized in himself the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my robes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you and you say, who touched me? So he was looking around to see who had done this. And then the woman, knowing what happened to her, came with fear and trembling and fell out before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be freed from your affliction. And while he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue, leader's house, and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? But when Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue here, don't be afraid, only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James' brother. They came to the leader's house and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And he went in and said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but asleep. And they started laughing at him. But he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him, and he entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and said that she should be given something to eat. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask God that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, may the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You're probably going, why did you read the whole thing if we're not going to talk about the lady? I read the whole thing because I wanted you to get a sense of how much was going on here. I wanted you to understand what this father had to have been going through in this moment. He's come for a reason, right? He came to Jesus. He's come to get his little girl healed. Please come with me. Please. And Jesus says, okay. He starts going. And in the midst of this, this crowd is pushing in. And Jesus stops and says, who touched me? Uh, Jesus? There's a crowd. This isn't COVID time. They're pushing in. How can you know somebody touched you? We can't tell you who that was. He says, but I felt the power go out. And there's just this whole conversation here. There's this search that goes on. This man's going, my daughter's dying. Come with me. And he's having to wait for this woman to have her time. Right? Sweet. I'm thinking he's doing this. Jesus. They're right, Jesus. Listen to your disciples, please. And then the woman comes up and she's overcome by emotions. So she's probably blubbering. Have you ever tried to listen to a woman who was crying and upset and thankful? That probably took a while, too. And then Jesus says, You've been healed. And then the worst news in the world comes. That's what's going on here. 
That's what's happening. And as I read this story and I look at Jairus and who Jairus is, I see several things that Jairus does that can show us what a godly father does. And that first thing is that godly fathers seek out Jesus themselves. He was a ruler in the synagogue. He was a leader. He had people under him. He could have said, I need to stay here with my daughter and keep praying over her. Will you please go and find Jesus and bring him here? But he didn't do that. He said, y'all take care of her. i got to go find Jesus. I'm going to go find this Jesus and I'm going to bring him back. Godly fathers seek out Jesus themselves. Godly fathers don't rely on someone else to provide them with a relationship and a connection to Jesus. Godly fathers don't say, well, somebody else will do that for me. We can't allow someone else to steer our faith. We can't allow someone else to lead our household to do the things that they're supposed to do. A godly father steps up to the plate and does what Jesus has called him to do out of the passion that he has for who Jesus is. He left his little girl on death's bed to go find the man. How many of you would leave your child who was sick and dying on the hope that you're going to find Jesus? On the hope that he's going to come back? On the hope that he might bring her back?
somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. And he hears all the commotion. The father's just sitting there going. What's the purpose of it? Jesus, did you lose the power you needed to get my girl well? You felt the power go out. You better get it back. You're healed. And in that moment, the people he could have sent show up. She died, man. Don't bother Jesus anymore. Just come on home. Your wife needs you. I know I'm adding it didn't say that wife needs you. But I don't think every word, I, I think it's just their memory, right? Your wife needs you. Come on home. Just leave him alone. And then Jesus says, I love these words. I love this fan, but it's blowing all over the place. Jesus says, Don't be afraid. Only believe. God the Father believe in the promises of Jesus. Jairus had no reason to believe. He had no reason. His daughter's death was confirmed. The situation was settled. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Believe what? She's dead. Jesus, she was sick. Kind of reminds me of Mary Martha, you know. Jesus, she was sick. You were coming to heal her with this woman. She got in the way. And Jesus says, only believe. Only believe. What was he supposed to believe? Fathers today, if you find yourself in an impossible situation, Jesus says, just believe. Just believe. He doesn't even say what to believe. He just says, believe. I love that. There's no believe that I'm going to do it for you. There's no believe that you're going to get your way. It's just believe. And when you believe, the plan will be revealed. And when you believe, the way will become clear. And when you believe, the reins of heaven will open up and soak your dry land. When you believe, things begin to happen. Godly fathers believe in the promises of Jesus. Only believe. Okay. Well, come on. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going to the house. Let's go. Only believe. And then Jesus stops. <laughs> he says, okay. Y'all can't come. Peter, James, okay, sons of thunder, you come on to you, John. Only believe. We're going to keep this quiet. I'm going to raise a girl from the dead and we're going to keep it quiet. And then he gets there. And there are people wailing, weeping. The child is dead. She's 12. She's not a woman yet. She's just a child. And Jesus says, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead. She's asleep. 
to laugh at her. Here's something that's very important that's why I have to realize. Godly fathers bring Jesus into their home. Look at the reaction of this crowd. They're laughing at Jesus. They're laughing at Jairus. They're laughing. Are you really going to really bring this crackpot in here? Your daughter's dead. He doesn't know what he's talking about if he thinks she's asleep. We checked her pulse. We prepared her body. She's upstairs in the room. She's dead. And Jairus just looks at Jesus. And he just believes. He just believes. Because Jesus says, okay, get out. That's the Troy paraphrase. I'm sorry. He didn't say it that way. What the text actually says, I'll make sure. He put them all out. So, get out. All of them. All of you who don't believe. All of you who don't have faith. All of you who have already given up on the situation, get out. Mama, Daddy, come here. Peter, James, and John, y'all stay right here. And Peter walked in, and Jesus walked inside and hearing this and to Peter. And he says, Talitha Kum. That's the same phrase that Peter uses with Dorcas. Get up. What do you think Peter learned of that? Little girl, get up! Get up! He wasn't afraid to bring Jesus into his home. The people were laughing at him. The people were saying, this guy's crazy. You shouldn't do this. But he still brought him in. The messenger said, leave him alone. And he still brought him with him to his house. Everybody said, do not do this. But that father said, no. I am bringing Jesus home. He is going to come into my house. And I believe. I don't know what I believe. I don't know what he's going to do at this point. But it's Jesus. And he's going to do something. And so... Today the world tells us that faith in Jesus is stupid. Faith in Jesus is worthless. What's it going to get you? What's going to happen? The world says, eh, it's just stolen from other places. It's not real. And I can find you article after article after article trying to disprove the things that happen in the Bible. Who cares what the world says? If you know Jesus and you have a relationship with Jesus, you know the power that's there. This man was believing with everything that he had that Jesus was going to make this right some way, somehow. He knew. He knew something was going to happen. He was probably thinking, thinking back to Abraham. Because that story, Abraham, he didn't tell him to remember. God said, get up and take your son and offer him as a sacrifice. He didn't tell Mama that morning because he wouldn't have gone nowhere. But he got up and he started going. And when he left the servants behind, he said, we'll come back to you. We'll come back to you. He didn't know how, but he knew something was going to happen. Jairus didn't know what was going to happen, but he believed something was going to happen. And Jesus was going to do something. This world today tells us faith in Jesus is futile and it doesn't do anything. But they don't understand what faith in Jesus is. They have seen religion and have branded it as faith. They have seen religion and said, well, that doesn't do anything different. 
But faith and a relationship in Jesus bring you peace when you shouldn't have peace. It brings you blessings when there shouldn't be any blessings. It allows you to walk through things that you couldn't do on your own. I've always said, I don't have enough faith to be in peace. I don't. I look at this world, I look at the things that happen, and I can't think that somebody had a big pair of cosmic dice and they rolled the dice and this happens. That's a lot of faith. Let me think about that for a minute. There are two microscopic, minuscule molecules that were zooming around in something because space didn't exist. This just happened in all the expanse of nothingness to fall into each other, and boom, there it was. And out jumped the giraffe. I just, I don't have that much for me. Godly fathers bring Jesus into their home. If your children aren't seeing you pray and read the Word and spend time with God, is Jesus in your home? Carrie gets frustrated at my phone. Because my phone connected to the household too. So when somebody sends me a text, it'll be like, text message from Joe Lynn Johnson. <laughs> and there he'll go, your phone never stops. And I'm like, well, we should go talking to people. That's how it should be with Jesus in our homes. Our children should see us talking to Jesus. Should see us communing with Jesus. You know, they should know these things. I had a Bible in my house growing up. But we never opened it. It was a big old family Bible. And it sat on an antique table in the corner. It had this yellow, ugly cover. <laughs> but that was the Bible. We don't touch that. What? I thought I couldn't see him. I can't touch this. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I want my children to know that I talk to Jesus. I want my children to know that I read His Word. I want my Bible to fall apart, not because the dog got a hold of it, but because I've used it too much. Godly fathers bring Jesus into their home. In this last thing, isn't really, I'll admit it's not explicitly in the passage. Godly fathers demonstrate their love for the children. The passage doesn't really say that, but um, it's clear that the passage is only here because of Jairus' love for his children. And I can say that for certainty because when you look at the society of the New Testament, daughters were a commodity they weren't seen as a blessing. They were a commodity. They, 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 they could make a household money because they could, they could get rid of them and then bring some good son in or something like that. But, but they weren't something that was considered a real blessing. So for Jairus to be concerned 
this much about his daughter, it shows his love. It shows his love. Godly fathers demonstrate their love to their children. Now that might not mean that you're going to go out and every day say, I love you to your child. I hope you will. I hope every day you tell your children you love them. Because there will be one day when you're not there anymore. And your children will long to hear those words. And they will never get to hear them again. So fathers, if I have, if I have any, if I have any sense of <clears throat> for you today, is to call your children daddy or send a text to your children daddy or email your children daddy and say, I love you. Amen. But what I'm saying here about demonstrating your love for your children, maybe like my dad did, you bring security to their world. They know that as long as you were there, nothing's going to happen. When Shiloh was little, he was afraid of his room. Right, buddy? And uh, every night, he wanted to check everything, of course, for the monsters and stuff like that. We stopped doing that because I told him that we didn't need to check for the monsters. They weren't coming because the monsters were busy checking their closets for daddy. <laughs> The security that we can bring. The sense of always having their back. If there is one thing that I have missed most about my parents being gone was home. Does that make sense? I had lots of my mom's family who were very upset with me because I didn't just go after and make sure probate happened the right way so I could have her house. But it was hers, okay, but that was the house. I never lived in that house. It was only home because mama was there. There were too many other strings attached and I couldn't do the other stuff. Home was no longer there. When you lose mom and dad, you lose that sense of home. You lose that sense of someone's always got my back. There's always that one place that I can go. So, Dad, what I'm saying to you, my challenge to you today, fathers, is to demonstrate your love in such a way that your children know you always have their back. Now, I'm not saying that we agree and we say, my kid's always right. My kid is as spoiled and as rotten as he could ever be. And so is the other. It's just true. And you know, some of you here don't help because y'all still spoil But I'm never going to say my kids are completely right. I'm not saying now when, when the teacher sends a note home and your kid goes, but it was the teacher's fault you go up and yell at the teacher because I know my kid. If the teacher sends me a note home, I know what my kid did. That's what it is. And so I'm going to say, what did you do? And when they say nothing, I'm going to say, uh-uh. I don't believe it. I'm not saying we just say whatever it is. That I'm saying they know that no matter what happens, when they've made the wrong choice and they call you from a party they shouldn't have been at and they need to get home, you go and pick them up and you don't ask any questions. 
when they've done something that they never expected to do. I, uh, when my dad had his accident, I was 20 years old. My sister was 16. I quickly had to become dad. It strained our relationship ever since, I promise. But she was 18 years old and I got a phone call. She was bawling her eyes out. I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm pregnant. Okay. Huh? Of course, I'm already, I'm already surrendered to the ministry working that way, so she expected something else. She expected, you are right now. I said, no. I said, okay. Well, we'll get through this. And now I have Taylor. There's 20 this year. And she knows. And my sister knows. Much to my chagrin sometimes. My sister knows I always have a back. And I hope my kids will always know I always have their back. Godly fathers demonstrate their love for their children. And they do so in a way that there's no denial. I had a discussion last night on Facebook. Facebook is of the devil sometimes, but I had put a picture of me and my dad as my profile picture, and another one as my cover picture when I was I was probably eight months old. And it was a Father's Day post from two years ago and it had talked about how my dad wasn't very affectionate. And one of my mom's ex-sister-in-laws said, see, you said your dad wasn't affectionate, but here's proof that he loved you. And I said, I never said he didn't love me. I said he wasn't affectionate. I'm trying to keep this from being a father's get-to-work type sermon. And that's what keeps going through my head because I'm preaching to me as much as I have to anybody else. We live in a world where we need godly fathers. We live in a world where we need fathers who rise up and show their daughters how they're supposed to be treated and show their sons how they're supposed to treat the women around them. We live in a world where we need fathers to stand as watchmen on the wall and say, you cannot have my house. The devil has reigned too long in this world. No more. I can't even let my kids watch videos anymore. Because of the... I'm trying to think of a good word. Give me a second. Junk that's on there. I used to be able to say, okay, here you can watch Disney+. Plus. Can't do that as of this month. If you have Disney+, Plus. 
And you don't want your child to learn about certain things that are supposed to be talked about as pride this month. Don't let them have their remote by themselves. Amazon Prime, same way. Netflix. Netflix has been in the handbasket for a long time. Same goes for grandpas, too. Uh, man. I pray for you daily. And I hope you pray for me. Women. Lift up the fathers in your life. Lift up the men in your life. Lift up the little boys in your life that they will come to be godly men. Because just like I said with mothers, you don't have to have a physical child to be a mother. You can, you can have that, that fatherly influence on someone's life that you are not biologically related to. Pray for the men in your life that God will stand them up. We're not going to have an invitation this morning because this is an invitation sermon. We're going to pray, and then we'll sing a song of closing is what I guess we'll call it today. Because we're going to pray. Because I don't know how to end this. I can keep going all day long. This is something that's dear to my heart. So let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that Father, lead us. Raise up fathers who want to be watchmen on the wall. Father, strengthen us to be the examples that our children need, that our children's children need, that all the young people around us need. Father, let, never let us be afraid to, to seek out Jesus, no matter what it looks like. The world may, may say we're weak. The world may look at us and call us sissies, but there is nothing, there's nothing weak about falling on your knees before the Savior. Father, let us believe in your promises daily. Let us bring you into our homes. Father, let us show our love for our children. Father, thank you for fathers. Thank you that you have given us an example, not only your example, but examples in the scripture that we can follow. Father, bless all the fathers here. Draw them to you this morning.